Hi, and welcome to First Draft for the month of October. Um, happy fall to those of you that are in climates where there is fall. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we are excited this month to talk to you all about email marketing, um, how, to, how to do that, um, what you do once you have people on your email list, and then some tips and tricks to make that a little bit easier on yourself. So before we dive into that topic, uh, we will go around the room and introduce ourselves. Uh, I am Mary Chris Escobar. I write women's fiction. And as far as drinks this month, um, I'm actually just going to promote a brewery that I've really been enjoying recently called Urban Family Brewing in Seattle. Um, I They change their beers a lot, and I just went online before we went live to try to tell you about the last beer I had from them that I enjoyed, and I can't find the name of it. So um, I will just promote that. Uh, I've really been enjoying them. They're very, very small um, craft, small batch beer, lots of kind of funkier things that would pair really well with uh, nice sharp cheeses and good baguettes and that mm. kind of thing, which always makes it ma makes me think of fall <laughs> and picnics outside. Now I want to have a picnic outside. <laughs> I know with beer and good sharp cheese. <laughs> That's my job here. Is to make, make us hungry and thirsty. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I will go around the room. Um, I'll go to Alexis Ann next. Hi, I'm Alexis Ann. I write contemporary and erotic romance, and today I have. An Appalachian Mountain Brewery. Um, it's the Boone Creek Blonde, and it's. It, I mean, oh, that's a cute can. It is. It's it a nice is. can. And Boone's up in the mountains from here. It's a fun place to visit. It's where Appalachian State is. Um, this one is. It's also a light one. It's brewed with honey and orange zest, so it's light, but it does have a lot of flavor to it. Um, so it's been a fun uh, fall beverage for us to indulge in. It's crisp. It says crisp mouthfeel followed by a hint of sweetness from wildflower honey and that's exactly how it tasted there you go <laughs> i am a historical author julia kelly and contemporary romance author julia blake uh, i don't have it with me right now but this month uh, i am going to promise you guys a recipe for a fantastic french 75 which is a great uh lemon gin champagne cocktail um, if you're feeling I don't know, celebratory or it's Tuesday and you just want to drink, um, it's one of my favorite things. It was actually the first cocktail I learned how to make uh, when I was far too young to be making cocktails. One of our family friends showed me. Uh, so, you know, trying to lead me on the path to corruption, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, that is uh, my drink this month. So Awesome. It's also like a go-to gen drink that you can get everywhere. Like sometimes so it's hard to find gin drinks, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Um, so what we want to start with this month in kicking off talking about email marketing, can one of you just kind of talk a little bit about what we're talking about when we talk about email marketing? We're talking about your newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very <laughs> simple terms. We, we've talked about it a few times. Even if you don't have a book out yet, hopefully you have a newsletter link already collecting people, even if it's just your family and friends, um, start collecting people as soon as humanly possible because your newsletter is something that's always yours. These are people who've chosen to subscribe to you. It's not owned by Facebook. It's not owned by your website that may crash and burn. These are, these are names that... <laughs> Because that oh happens. God, that's my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> it's happened to me once before, guys. Back your website up. Back everything mm -hmm. up, including your con your your email list, because yes. those can travel with you everywhere. They're people who've selected into you, so that's yours, and it's your your ability to market to them and harness 
what you can out of the people who want to know f things from you. That That's what we're talking about today. And you'd be shocked at how often even close friends and family, the people who will buy your book first off when you have your very first book and nobody knows who you are, you will be shocked at how obsessed you are with the release date of your book and how few of them will know what your release date is, even though they you've told them 10 times. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've been talking about this nonstop. How do you not know this? It's so important to you. And yet it's not the center of the universe to anybody else. So why would they have your release date on the top of your head, their head, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, email, I feel like in, in the world of people having varying interaction with social media, on top of it being you own your email list, uh, yeah. Facebook doesn't own it, which I think, Alexis, that's the most important reason to do this. But it's also like something people are still consistently checking. Like, even if you're maybe feeling like you're taking a break from Facebook or you're not as active on Twitter anymore, most people are still getting email pushed to their phone or still checking email because they're, because a lot of things go there. Your bills go there, emails from family go there, you might be using it for business. So I think it's also just a consistent thing in, in a world of lots of options. But I feel like it's the common denominator that a lot of people are still using and checking. It's also the thing where you can directly go in and say to somebody, send a direct message to them, whereas with things like Facebook, you're often at the mercy of algorithms, whether somebody was first very much for Twitter, whether somebody was on at the right time, you know, when you sent your tweet out, it's it's a, it's a movable timeline. So um, you're just trying to, you know, kind of hit people almost like buckshot. Um, but with email, it's a very directed thing. So you are speaking directly to the person that you're trying to communicate with. Mm -hmm, definitely. So how do you get those people there? So how do <laughs> you, so we, it's a great idea, but how do you get people to sign up because a really important distinction that we want to make is never, ever, ever do you just put people on a mailing list. Like <laughs> even your closest friends or that really nice person you just met at a conference, like no, like they, they need to opt in. Exactly. Um, Correct. So how do you get people to choose to let you come into their inbox? Well, there's there are... an expression, beg, borrow and steal. You do everything but steal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There are a few different options. Um, one of my most effective organic ways of getting people onto my email list was I did serials. And at the end of every serial, which serials are, they're not necessarily like cliffhangers, but you really want the next installment. And at the end of every installment, it said, sign up for my newsletter to get an alert as soon as it's available. And I got a huge, um, that was my first huge push to my newsletter outside of family and friends. Obviously, you can post the links to social media to get people to sign up. Um, outside of having a cliffhanger or a serial, just having it at the front and the back of your book so that people who are reading you, who want to connect with you, who want to know more, have a very easy way of clicking and making sure they're signed up for your newsletter. That's probably the second most effective way of getting people to sign up for your newsletter. And then there are other... Um, less organic ways of getting yeah. people. <laughs> That's a nice way of putting it. There are email marketing uh, things that you can buy into, like Ryan's E is a really big one. Um, there are a few others that have popped up where you, you basically become part of a giveaway. And part of the 
way people enter the giveaway is by signing up for your newsletter. And then it's up to you to use all of these strategies that we're going to talk about throughout the rest of the show um, to turn those people who maybe don't even know who you are who signed up through a giveaway like this into a reader and somebody who is happy to be subscribed to your list. Um, one other thing that I did forget to mention that's semi-organic is if you're doing a lot of Facebook parties, one of the big things that I always suggest is make sure you have people either sign up as part of the events that you're doing on the giveaway, or at least make sure you have it very clearly posted as part of your presence in the giveaway that this is how you sign up for my newsletter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want to I signpost think- for people every single chance that you get. And it's going to feel weird and obnoxious to you, but you're going to see all that material. And the people that you're trying to reach may see one of seven, one of 10 different times that you're posting this type of thing. Right. Yeah, in multiple yeah. places. Well, and I, I two things on that. On your website, um, also something that's going to feel maybe possibly awkward is to have a sign-up pop-up or a sign-up bar at the top, which... I know when, I mean, I heard all the stats on like how good that is to do and it still feels kind of icky um, when you first put it up there. But honestly, there's ways that you can set that so frequent visitors to your website don't get it again. Oh, that's um, cool. I didn't know three that. Months. Yeah. Um, so, you know, base, there's also ways you can set it. So if you have a blog, people only get that if they read to the end of your blog. So you're trying to catch people who really like your content. But definitely that reminder, that signpost. So using something that pops up um, to remind people to set, that you have a newsletter and that they can get updates from you that way. And then super old fashioned, if you are doing signings, um, actually yeah. just take, take. Um, I mean, there's a non old fashioned way to do it, which is to take an iPad, but you can also just take like a legal pad of paper. Um, and sign people up for that. Um, so if you're doing workshops or signings, um, you can do that. Again, on that legal side, I always, if I actually do catch myself using a legal pad, I put a column for like opt into my email and people have to put a check mark on that. And I literally have like taken pictures of that physical document and saved them. Just, I mean, I you don't anticipate anything's ever gonna happen, but you want to be very clear that people have chosen to be a part of your newsletter. Yeah, there are some countries where there are actual laws in place. I know I know the UK is switching over because I know somebody who's having to deal with this right now where you must have an unsubscribe and you must have a double opt-in. I don't think the double opt-in is legal, is, is a legal issue here, but the unsubscribe is. And the reason is mm-hmm. that somebody needs to be able to remove themselves from their, your mailing list if you want to, if they, if they are part of your mailing list. So there always needs to be an option for somebody to get off. And you want that person to get off because otherwise you're gonna end up getting marked to spam and it's not helpful and not productive. You're going to, at some level, if you have enough subscribers, be paying a fee to whatever mail, mail subscriber you use or mail service you use. And so a dead subscriber, you know, somebody who's just not opening your stuff and doesn't wanna be there is actually going to end up costing you money down the line, so. Yeah, definitely. So once you've got these people there, it's all these different methods. Once you, however they've come to you, whether it's, you know, through a service or through the back of your book or however they signed up, what do you do with them once they're there? So you've got this list of people who want to know what you're doing, but what do you do with them? (laughs) There is this huge debate raging right now, and I can guarantee it's going to be raging in October when this show comes out, um, about 
how much we should be flooding readers with email, whether we are flooding readers with email, whether the fact that they've opted in and said, this is something I want to hear from you means they just want to hear new release stuff or whether they want to get a lot more communication from you a lot more often. It's kind of a weird zone right now, um, just in terms of there are these two major philosophies and they're totally split. So I'm, and, and uh, Alexis is as well, doing something that I think has you know, really grown in popularity to try to avoid, especially with giveaways and things like that, the people who are just signing up for your newsletters with the freebies and then, you know, never with no intention of ever, you know, actively being a contributor to your reader group or whatever. So um, I'm running people through automations where basically when, uh, when they sign up, they get an email from me thanking them, giving them a free book, then they get a follow-up email following up and asking if they've downloaded their free book a few days later. And then it triggers basically this series of emails that's introducing them to my backlist. So I'm trying to sell my backlist through various things. Although I'm, I'm always prioritizing freebies first to ease them into and to just try to get them to read some of my stuff. And I'm trying to also, um, you know, send them some emails about what uh, what genres do they read, whether they want to be part of a, you know, a reader Facebook group, whether they want to be part of an ARC team so they get some free books in, a, in exchange for reviews if they leave reviews. And basically you're all you're building up to and facilitating a relationship where they know that you are somebody that they read and they recognize your name. And so you build up this relationship. And then when you start seeing things from them, like clicking on buy links for books that are, you know, $1.99, $2.99, $4.99, full price, you start moving them off of that list because they're already an engaged reader. And you they can go to a general email list that's going to be like new releases, cover reveals, excerpts, you know, updates from you about what's coming next from your writing career. So that's trying to build the personal relationship with your reader. You can also just blast them when they get when you have a new release coming out. And I know a lot of people who do that and who are very successful with that, but they've set up the expectation that they're only going to email their readership when uh, there's very, very, very big news, which is basically a book is out. So different philosophies. I think one of the big things you just touched on that was a, a mind shift for me um, was like three years ago, newsletters were very much about the sell. It was getting your book into people's inboxes so that they would buy it. And it was it was very much a, I have a book out or I have a book on pre-order and it was all about the sell. And it oversaturated people's inboxes after a while and people stopped opening newsletters. And there's been this shift recently toward newsletters are still effective, but especially if you're developing that relationship with the people who are getting that newsletter. And so one of my big shifts this month has been really stop thinking of the newsletter as a way to sell things, but as a way to develop a relationship with the reader for them to get to know me through the type of content that I'm sending them and for me to get to know who they are and what it is that they want for me as the writer. And so it's a two way street and and the newsletter is is just an opportunity to have that conversation and for everybody to get to know each other in the process. I think one of the big tricky questions with that, and I'm struggling with this right now because I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much of my life do people, A, want to know about, and B, do I want to let them know? So, you know, it, it's it's a really yeah. hard question to answer, and you, I think you have to hit, it's all personal, right? So it's how much do you put of yourself on social media? How much of yourself do you put out, you know, in, in newsletters? What relationship do you want to build? And 
what is your comfort zone? And you have to figure out what that is, but I think that a lot of it is trial and error. So you're gonna send out some newsletters that are gonna be fantastic for you and are gonna work really, really well. And maybe, you know, things where obviously where you give away something for free are going to have higher open rates and click rates and all those things. And maybe the sort of more breezy, chatty, this is what's going on with me. This is, you know, what's happening in my reader life or my writer life right now. Maybe that stuff that doesn't get as much of an open, but the people who are opening those are getting a, a sort of to know you and getting you're drawing the curtain back a little bit so it's this behind the scenes kind of look um it's just a question of how much behind the scenes do you want to give away so well, and i think the other thing to think about with that is how can you provide value and sometimes that to your readers mm -hmm. um you know other than through your books and i think sometimes that helps with that question of how much do i let people into my life because i'm perfectly comfortable recommending books talking about a recipe i made recommending beers those are all letting people into my life mm -hmm. but not not my personal 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 life exactly <laughs> like, sure. I, I mean it's you know this is what i'm cooking this is what i'm drinking this is what i'm enjoying reading so i think and how i always try to look at that is I don't, I think there's pieces of my life that don't provide value to anyone else's life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I like my life and the people in it, but like, it doesn't matter to right. anybody. Like, it's not providing value to a reader, um, except for the value for maybe how I write, how I feel about something into my fiction. Like that's maybe providing value. But I, so for me, I think the struggle has always been to try to figure out how to have those conversational emails that are not just selling, in a way that provides value to readers. And I get the concept, but I will 100% admit that I haven't been able to fully tap into that and find what resonates with people. But I think if you if you frame it that way, that gets you a little bit out of the like, oh my gosh, what am I gonna share? Like, how yeah. personal am I getting? Yeah. Well, I think, especially in the beginning of, of getting to know your reader, they wanna know about the books. They wanna know about the writing process. They wanna know that kind of stuff. And so you don't even really need to worry about anything remotely personal for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then it should just be something that, that relates to what they would be interested in, cooking and drinking and and things like that are all very easy ways to to make yourself more personable to the reader without having to actually introduce them to your life. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to be super name droppy here for a second with people who nobody here is going to know. Um, my friend, Books on GIF, runs a newsletter, and his newsletter is his reviews. But he recommended to me a woman named Molly Mersh. Mersh? I don't know how to say her last name. Mir Hashim, I think. Um, and she is an editor for Outside Magazine. And um, one of the reasons that I really like, she, he recommended the newsletter because she's she's a big reader of just like all sorts of long form journalism. And she does a newsletter every week that's really interesting where she talks about what, what I've been working on, you know, things that have been really interesting uh, that have popped up uh, that I've read. And she just happens to be the running editor. And so all of the stuff that she recommends, and I'm looking at Mary Chris right now, is all running related um, and athletic related and but then she gets into sort of um you know stories about i don't know why the the taffy um interview about tom hiddleston um that set off the whole like who is this mysterious woman who tom hiddleston's dating that one um 
So she recommended that article and sort of a lot of different interesting pop culture things. And I read her newsletter faithfully every single week because to me it's a value add. She's going through and curating all of the things that I don't have the time to read. And Mm -hmm. so I just get the best from somebody whose taste is very similar to mine. So -hmm. you can do things like that. You can say, these are books that I've read that I think you guys are going to love. You can do, you know, different elements of yourself, like you said, that are personal without being your... um, without being your entire life out there. If you want to put your entire life out there and you're comfortable with that, that's totally fine. There are people who've made whole careers on mm-hmm. confessional style, you know, relationships with their readers. I'm That's a degree of exposure that I am not comfortable with. So um, yeah, you just have to figure out where you are and what your readership wants. Also, I think Alexis brought up that point as well. Figure out, you know, they want the books, but what else is it that kind of drives them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's an element that's through your books a lot. Like, I don't know. I always have characters that can't cook because I love to cook and I love that element of I have no idea what I'm doing to feed myself and having a character work their way through that. So that's an easy thing to talk about. And then, of course, I love coffee, whiskey, and all things frisky. And so I love talking about coffee and whiskey and all things frisky. And that's that's an easy way to be like, here's the bourbon I like drinking right now or here's my brand of coffee. Um, and give you little snippets of it without it being, I, I drink three cups of coffee and I drink them in this location. <laughs> yeah. And today I needed an extra cup because this went wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, um, just really quickly before we talk a little bit about some ways to make all this easier on yourself, um, what what is a good frequency, do you think? I think there's a thousand opinions. There's there so many is. opinions on this as there are newsletters in the world. So. Uh, that's what I'm trying to figure out myself right now. Yeah. Yeah. I do so think maybe trial and error. It is trial and error. And knowing yourself, too. Like, just because your readers want it once a week or once a month or once a quarter doesn't mean that that's what you have to do, especially if it doesn't make sense for you. If writing something once a week is too much, don't do it once a week because then you're going to fail and failure is not, not the goal here. Yeah. Yes. And or you're going to write really also. crappy stuff. Right. I think, you know, with, with Mary Chris, you had a longstanding newsletter and at some point you realized it wasn't serving what you wanted to be doing any longer. And so you stopped doing it. And right. the whole point behind that is, you know, don't do something that's no longer working for what it was that you set out to have it do. So you can change tack. You can decide, you know, you're no longer going to send out a weekly newsletter, a monthly newsletter, a quarterly newsletter. You can decide you are going to do one of those things because you think it's going to fit much better with your readership base and things like that. So I think it really just depends on where you are at what point in your career and what you think your readers um, want from you and then what you can then support doing because you mm-hmm. have to write books at some point also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in weekly email, does not a book, right? Um, unless you're going to put it in a memoir and publish it somehow. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I mean, that was it for me. And I also running that thing through the filter of value add. I wasn't adding value to anyone. I think my mom really enjoyed hearing from me every week, but I heard <laughs> on the phone. So, so I don't think anyone else really cared. Um, and that's not entirely true. I mean, I definitely had some people who were very, very loyal and would respond really regularly. And you know what? Those are the handful of people that will be really, really grateful when I do send out updates about something yeah. new that I'm putting out and that kind of thing. And you're not losing those people at all. Um, but I, yeah, it just it was taking too much of my time for 
too little value add to my readers. Well, we have different goals at different times too. Mm -hmm. If you're working on cultivating a relationship and people are opening and you're, you're happy to write the newsletters, then for a period of time, a weekly or biweekly newsletter makes sense. Um, But you may have a different goal at a different point where you're writing a lot of books and you just want people to be informed of what's going on in the process. And that's a different goal for a different time. Don't be afraid to change your goal. And that's one of the reasons why I changed my wording on my opt-in. It used to say, you'll only get updates on new releases. And then at a different time, it said something like, you're going to get weekly updates. And I'm like, I'm not making this promise at the opt-in anymore, other than you're getting my newsletter. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Which leads to a lot of flexibility. And, and to your point that, you know, sometimes you're going to need to send newsletters more frequently. You, you basically had a get over yourself moment that I needed the other day when we were talking, um, Alexis. And I was just like, I feel really uncomfortable with the fact that I just sent a release newsletter. I just found out that my cover is up for my pre and my pre-order is up for my second historical book. And then on top of that, I have another follow-up newsletter, you know, post release date for the contemporary stuff. And they're going to come out like one week after another. And I feel really weird about that, but I'm just going to have to get over it because this is stuff that is actually coming out. It's not going to serve me or anybody else holding it back because readers who are signed up for that newsletter want to hear about things like release dates and pre-orders and cover reveals and all those things. And so I did have to have a moment of being like, this feels really weird to you. I swear it's going to be okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you send those out, they're short, they're quick. They're here's my cover. Here's my book. Like, it's not like somebody's feeling like they need to read a five page tome on your blog. I mean, it's just like, Hey, this is coming, like letting you know. And that's yeah. a good point because short sometimes can be really, really effective. And yeah. one link can also sometimes be really effective. If your point, if your whole point is to get people to leave Goodreads reviews on your book and you send out a please review my book, make the one link that they can click on a link to Goodreads. They mm-hmm. have no other choice but to, to, you know, choose to, if they get off that email, go to Goodreads. And then you obviously don't have any control over what they do after that because you can't reach into the computer and see please leave a review at Goodreads. But what you can do is you can encourage behavior, right? So if what you want them to do is click on buy links, make the only things in your email buy links. Mm-hmm. Again, um, make sure you know what your goal is and make sure you're exactly. feeding the goal. Exactly. So kind of a, a good segue, like you're talking about having all those emails to send out, Julia. How do you make this easier on yourself? Because clearly, you know, that's a lot to keep up with in your head. Um, so how do you track when you need to send things? How do you make it easier on yourself? I'm going to show you my magic book. I have a magic book. So we talked in the, in the September, um, first draft about, um, release schedules and I did not, excuse me while I take sensitive photos of myself of this. I did not show this, but I have a whole list of things that I do for release day. And one of those things as you try to zoom in. Um, so what I'm showing basically is, is a whole checklist of things that um, I have written down as reminders. Um, one of those things is a newsletter automation. Um, that's not an actual automation, but like a, a, a best practices set of newsletters that I send out for a release date. 
Um, so I know that I'm going to send a cover reveal. I know that I'm going to send, you know, a release date email, an excerpt a few weeks beforehand, a, you know, follow up for people who didn't open the release date newsletter, um, those types of things. So I have that built in. So I already know I've kind of taken the pressure off of having to create that every single time. And what I'll do is one afternoon, I did it on a train trip actually this last time around. I just wrote all of them. I just wrote all of the, mm. the emails and it's tedious, it's a little annoying, but it's done, it's done, it's scheduled. It was scheduled two months out. So it meant that I, in the middle of another book that I was writing and the deadline for that, didn't have to worry about basically creating that part of my email for a little while. So I knew those emails were coming out. I didn't have to write any of the sort of, this is my life status update, which I actually think I'm doing less and less of those um, because those to me aren't serving the readership as we were talking about. I don't think anybody's getting value add out of long rambling emails from me. So I'm trying to go shorter, trying to go um, more compact and do sprinkle in some of the update emails when there is something that feels relevant to, you know, whatever my readers are interested in, whether it's, you know, the historical or the contemporary side, but then also making sure that I'm really on top of that release day stuff. Because ultimately, even though we don't want it to all be a sell, it's building up to a cell and the cell should be done and should be done right. So that's the most, that's the thing I've decided is most important to me. And you're scheduling those. So you're writing them in advance and you're scheduling them through your email provider. Yeah, and I, I was telling you guys also, I feel really, really weird about sending something and actually having it go out when I click the button. Um, it feels different. Immediate thing. It yeah. feels so different, and I schedule so much stuff now because, again, I do my email scheduling at weird times, and I try to make sure that it's done so I'm not scrambling on a release day when I'm frazzled. Um, it feels really uncomfortable and like kind of weird to be sending out an email <laughs> that hasn't sat there in a queue for a while. Well, it's very immediate, yeah. and if you're on MailChimp, it's got the send now uh, thing going on, and it feels it's like a big red button, yeah. What if I do something wrong or something? Whereas <laughs> when you schedule it, it's just like it's in the queue now. And MailerLite, it, I use both right now. So mm -hmm. uh, MailerLite's a little bit more or less intimidating. I just used all the wrong words to describe that. More or less. <laughs> that was bad. That. <laughs> it is intimidating. <laughs> it's not intimidating. Um, I am also a huge fan of doing things in chunks of time, partially because your brain is in one mode. And so instead of it being like, oh, today I have to do my blog and my newsletter, and then I have to write 2000 words and, and doing all these different things that chop up your brain into different types of focus. I'm a huge fan of sitting down and saying, okay, for the next two days, all I'm working on are newsletters and I'm going to write them. I'm going to automate them. I'm going to schedule them. I'm going to do whatever it is that I need to do to set myself up so that I don't have to worry about my newsletter for a month or two months or six months or whatever it is. Um, the other thing you can do is have a template ready to go so that you just yeah. pop things in. You don't have to worry about the header or the signature, the social media links or anything. It's literally just copy, paste, insert, you know, image or whatever it is, and it's ready to go. Um, and then, and then the other thing is, is automation, um, which is, I think it was kind of unknown to most of us a year ago. And then it was kind of like a dirty word for a little while. But if your main goal is to write, because you're a writer, an automation sequence can be your best friend because you sit down, you take care of everything, and it just runs in the background for you. It's not cold. It's not impersonal. It's, it's something that just introduces your reader 
to lead up to the cell, like Julia was just mentioning, and you don't have to have your brain space taken up by that all the time. Mm -hmm. It's it's work that you've done, and it's doing it for you in the background. And now both Mailchimp and MailerLite offer automation as part of your services, so you don't you don't have to worry about being extra. Helpful, and I think both you and I have found it is a big investment of time upfront. But once you have it going, it runs itself. So long as you don't break it, which I have done, <laughs> it will run itself and you can add to it and you can you know, do all of these things in order to continue this relationship with your readers. So you can start an automation and it can be four emails long. And then as you see people approaching that third email in the queue, because you can always see your queue in MailChimp, you can add a fifth email because you go, oh God, that's right after to keep doing my automation. So it can be a work in progress that you mm-hmm. then tweak and you can post, like I've pulled something out of one of my automations that um, was clearly not getting clicked on. It was getting opened, but it wasn't getting clicked on. And I thought, mm, that's not, that's too early to have that particular um, part of the automation. And so I just moved it to another section um, where I think it will serve better. So, and that can be really powerful, again, for the, the sort of um, paid giveaway things we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Your automation is a great way to clean that list for people who, had no intention of ever opening your emails ever because they just clicked to get a free entry to a free download or a free, you know, giveaway, which is totally fine. It's just not what you want clogging up your list. So real quick, um, just to, to let you guys know, an automation is, is a set of emails that go out automatically. And what you want an automation to do is to introduce yourself to the reader, to segment out who's actually clicking and who's actually engaging in your newsletter. Um, so you do a sequence of emails that you, you give a free book, you ask them if they enjoyed the book, you tell them about the book you have for sale. It, a, you do a sequence of things that make sense so that you can segment out your readers into a more effective newsletter list. So you have a, a segment that you have filtered into a team of reviewers. You have a segment that you filtered into. They want an e- a weekly email. So when I do send weekly emails, they get them. I have this list that only want... They only click on when a book is out. They don't even click on the pre-orders. So I'm only going to send them my new release emails. And it makes your emails more effective in reaching the people that they need to reach. And that would be the reason that you do an automation and why you set up the sequence that you do. And if someone has not ever done this and wants to learn, are there tutorials within the um, you know mailer sites or is there somewhere you can recommend? Yeah. Is, it, is it just kind of a Google... Okay. I think we do. And I say that specifically because I don't find MailChimp to be particularly user-friendly um, in certain regards. In others, it's very user-friendly. But I find a lot of the sort of automation, like I opened it and closed it several times because I was just like, I don't, don't know what I'm doing here. And I don't want to like accidentally trigger something. And then I went through and I did have to do a lot of teaching of myself to figure out like how, and there are certain things that are kind of annoying that you can't branch off automations in the way that I want to and so I'm still learning how to use the tool um, they're pretty responsive on chat which is helpful and they do have a large help section of their website um, mm-hmm. but I do think that it's worth rather than going in guns blazing and like just hitting the automation um, uh, and starting to send emails like crazy I think it's worth spending some time doing some research doing some reading because it, it does it did for me take a little bit for my brain to click over and understand what it was that I was doing. The big the big thing for me was like, oh, it's a flowchart. 
Okay, so if mm -hmm. I and I have drawn out literally a flow chart of what my automation looks like and what happens at what point and if somebody doesn't do something, it triggers this behavior and if they do that thing, then it triggers this behavior and that type of stuff. So flow I, didn't find, I didn't find it. Yeah, I did not find it intuitive. So nope. and I jotted down maybe we can do that as a show in the future, something about yeah. how to set that up since you've both done it. Uh, I think we are probably we about are. at our time. Yep. Um, so any last minute things that you all want to add? Yep. Go forth and email with yes. Wild Abandon. Yes. People do want your emails. <laughs> they do. Yes. And definitely the trail and error piece. Um, so before we close off and say goodbye, I'll just quickly go around the room um, for you guys to promote anything that you would like to. So we'll start with Alexis Ann. Alexis Ann. You can find me at alexisannbooks.com. I'm mostly on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want updates, follow me there. I don't really do Twitter. <laughs> join her newsletter. And join my newsletter. Oh my gosh. Go to my website. And at the top right corner of my website, there's, there's a tuxedo and it says sign up for my newsletter. And you want to do that so that you get my news. That is correct. <laughs> All right, Julia. Uh, I am Julia Kelly and Julia Blake. I have my newest Julia Kelly book, um, October 9th, if we post this before then or if we post this after then. It is either just about to release or releasing. This is the magic of pre-recording, you guys. Um, so that is the first book. Um, the Look of Love is the first book in my Matchmaker of Edinburgh series, which is a brand new Scottish historical romance series. Um, it is a friends to lovers, marriage of convenience uh, book. And I'm very, very excited that it's going to be in readers' hands and uh, launching a brand new historical uh, side for me. So it um, should be pretty exciting. And you Yay. can follow me on juliakellywrites.com. That's probably the easiest place to go and get all the information. All right. Uh, and again, I'm Mary Chris Escobar. I'm at marychrisescobar.com. You can sign up for my newsletter there, which I do not send out weekly anymore. <laughs> uh, but you do get a free novella for signing up. So um, yeah. check that out if you want to. Um, Thank you so much for watching uh, or listening today. Just a reminder that we are available on uh, firstdraftwriting.com. So that's D-R-A-U-G-H-T, firstdraftwriting.com. Uh, we, we also have a newsletter that you can sign up for. Uh, and basically what that sign up does is you'll get a reminder and a link to our show in your inbox every month. So how convenient for you. You don't have to go remember uh, to check our website to get that information. Uh, we also have a Facebook page um, that we would we post our episodes on. So if that is how you like to get your updates, feel free to join us over there. And then just a reminder that we are also on Patreon and would really, really appreciate uh, your support um, of our show. We would love to be able to upgrade some of our recording software and equipment and also upgrade our website a little bit um, to tailor some things like that newsletter sign up a, a little bit better for you. So thank you very much for your support simply by listening and watching. But if you feel so inclined to um, help us keep this project going, we would really appreciate a donate, donation on patreon.com and we're at patreon.com backslash first draft writing. Thank you so much. We will see you back next month for November. Take care. <laughs>